You're listening to a classic business podcast as heard on Classic 1027. 1027. Well, the JSE was on track for its seventh consecutive session of gains uh, this morning, and uh, that's after closing at a record high yesterday. We then tapered off into the afternoon session, and we looked on track to finish just below yesterday's record close before staging a late-in-the-day surge for the line to take yet another record. Uh, above 69,000 points for the first time, we ended at 69,049 points on the Aussie, up 0.18%. The Rand uh, having another barnstorming day 13 rand 59 to the dollar and with company news uh, pretty thin on the ground the competition commission's blocking of the burger king deal late yesterday on public interest grounds over the new equities uh, or new entities black shareholding or black equity uh, and Shoprite completing the sale of its nigerian unit certainly stand out for me uh, wayne mccurry portfolio manager at fnb wealth and investments and martin harris premium client manager at ig have your market view Wayne, uh, what's got your attention out there? Well, obviously, it's this rand. I mean, yeah, you would have thought a year ago when it was at 19 that the next stop would be 13.50 around there. But understand the rand is expensive at this level. It is actually overvalued. And at some stage in the next, call it two years, three years, whatever, it will probably be trading above 60 to the US dollar. You know, that's the nature of a commodity-based currency. And it's all, you know, all systems go at the moment for commodity prices, and that's extremely good for the RAND. But this does reverse, it is cyclical. Commodity prices have had as strong a run as what we have ever seen in the past, and they'll more than likely be 50, 40% lower in two years' time, and the RAND will follow that. Yeah, we are big beneficiaries of the macro at the moment. Uh, and Martin, uh, to bring a bit of macro into this, it, it's a golden opportunity for us to get our house in order to use this breathing space because fiscally the situation is still very precarious. If you look at our debt to GDP numbers, uh, GDP coming out uh, next week, we need to see government pressing the accelerator on reforms. Uh, this on a day when, when ESCOM has plunged us back into uh, stage two load shedding again, and we're just not seeing the, the requisite urgency through the likes of Operation Vulandlela and others. Still lots of talk, not enough action on the ground. Good evening, Michael. Yes, I think that there's still a lot of concerns around uh, the fiscal space in South Africa. Um, not enough growth typically for us to kind of grow our way out of the problem. And so certainly there need to be some political decisions around, uh, you know, just politically tough decisions around putting the, um, the economy on the right path towards growth. And that uh, would require some sort of uh, business-friendly initiatives. Oh. And so we'll have to see whether, you know, um, the administrators are, are willing to, to go down that path. But I, I don't see how uh, we would be able to uh, sort of right the economy without uh, growing our way out of the problem. And Wayne, to bring you in on that point, so then what kind of signal do we send out when we block a potential half a billion rand injection of foreign direct investment into the country because it's a an American-owned private equity firm without significant BE credentials via the competition authorities? Yes, I am aware that the public interest uh, uh, clauses were inserted a couple of years ago, but the debate was always that they ranked subsidiary to the competition issues. There are no significant competition issues here. In fact, what GPI and 
Hassan Adams and all the parties submitted to the competition authorities was a list of things that they would commit to if the deal went through. Yet the commissioner turns around and says, no, thanks, we don't need your money. Look, the competition, as you correctly said, I think it was many years ago, the, the guidelines for the competition commissioner were expanded quite dramatically. In, in other words, they looked at preserving of jobs and many, many other things. And obviously, I mean, I'm not an expert, but clearly one of them was the, the BEE standing of the new owners. If those are the rules and those rules are in place, then the competition commissioner is entitled to enforce those those rules. And you can make an argument that if a South African company had to buy Burger King, they would have to comply with BEE rules. Why should an American company get an advantage just because they're American? And they've also got to comply with the same rules that South African companies ah. must comply with. So. You know, those are the rules, and but that's what's being enforced. But if you look at what GPI have submitted in their sense today, they had committed to doing a deal within 24 months uh, to bring in a BEE party. Yes, only at a 5% equity level, but there was a glide path and uh, a whole raft of other issues of sourcing from local empowered uh, suppliers and a half a billion rands worth of FDI, well, yep. the, the president is flying around the world and, and trying to drum up support in his $100 billion investment drive. These are the signals we're sending out via the competition authorities, which, lest we forget, sit under trade industry and yep. communism, or sorry, competition uh, I, minister, Ibrahim Patel's portfolio. It's ridiculous. I hear everything that, that you're saying. I'm just saying they're applying the rules. Remember, this is not dead yet, eh? This is still going to go to the oh, tribunal. This will be a appealed. long path to walk here. Martin Harris, what is your view on this uh, this ruling? I think um, at the end of the day, it's the, the shareholders who really get affected if it doesn't go through. You know, so you know, maybe you're setting a precedent that um, if these, uh, you know, as they've said, the 30% block of previously disadvantaged investors, and that was the interesting setup behind Grand Parade in the first place. If they now cannot offload assets uh, to a willing buyer, who can they sell them to? And so now you almost have to uh, reduce the value of assets uh, in these BE structures, considering that they can only be sold to a new BE structure. And that is the, the, the issue in, in terms of uh, company lawyer. Are you now prejudicing the um, previously disadvantaged shareholders as a result? We're going to be talking to Olani Nali, he's a partner at Bowman's, about this a little bit later on, trying to get hold of Hassan Adams as well to find out uh, what he thinks about this transaction. But it certainly sends out all the wrong messages and signals about being open for business. Uh, Wayne, hear what you're saying about playing uh, by the rules, but we also need to play within the context of uh, a developing country that is desperate for FDI, uh, FDI at, a, at a time when uh, the, the president is saying different things. Let's move on to uh, the, uh, the other story of the day, and that is ShopRite finally pulling out of Nigeria, a market where, let's face it, I mean, Tiger Brands, Woolies, Mr. Price, I think Telcom as well, many others have been burnt, uh, but I think ShopRite, Wayne, was one of the first, first South African yes. retailers in there. So it's, it's symbolic for ShopRite to say, yes. listen, it's just too tough to operate in this market. Yeah. Yeah, look, I mean, Nigeria's always got potential. There's always seems to be massive unlocked, you know, 
un- unlocked potential in Nigeria until you go and go there and try and unlock it. <laughs> and I went to a presentation that Whitey Besson gave oh, 25 years ago, 20 years ago, so long ago, and he still said, this investment in Nigeria is for my grandchildren or our grandchildren because he was under no illusions that it was going to be a long, hard slog to try and make this work. And obviously they've just decided they can't do it. And they're pulling out. Look, it never was a massive investment for ShopRite. So, you know, they didn't they didn't uh, bet the farm on going into yeah. Nigeria, which a couple of companies have and have had varying degrees of success there. But yeah, it's just different. You, The supply chain doesn't work. The logistics doesn't work properly. The the legal system doesn't work properly. The, the banking system doesn't work properly. The government system doesn't work properly. You can't get the stuff on your shelves at a price that you can anticipate. And that, it's, it's incredibly difficult. That is the problem. And uh, I do see signs of us potentially heading down that path. We're still very strong institutionally, uh, but power, you know, unreliable. Water now becoming unreliable. Competition authorities ruling in funny ways. Uh, let's uh, use uh, Nigeria as a lesson in how not to uh, be doing business in Africa. Wayne McCurry, Portfolio Manager at FNB Wealth and Investments, and Martin Harris, Premium Client Manager at IG Markets, with your view.